Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, October 17th edition. Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Follow them on Twitter at VCL Niagara. Boys, I don't know if I have it today. Hey-o. I'm Tim Graham. Derek Anderson and step in and <laughs> save the day. And with about as much pizzazz, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am Tim Graham, senior writer with The Athletic, here with the big crooked Mike Rodak of ESPN.com. Jonah Bronstein finally has his own microphone. Ooh. Yeah, it's a wonderful day. You don't have to talk. I'll just carry the show. You're not on camera, though. He does. Uh, he handles things for Facebook Live. You can see uh, a live stream of this on uh, on my Facebook page, on Mike Rodak's Facebook page, on the. Do you put it on your Facebook page, Mike? I, I don't guess, have a Facebook I, page. You don't? No. Where'd it go? I hate Facebook. Mm. You oh. do though, Mike. You have a. Uh, I, think lost, I like have a, a Facebook page. page that I. I used to have a writer page. It's gone. Oh. I have a personal page. I'm not adding anybody on there who. Would listening be listening to the Tim Graham show? What's your problem with Facebook? Nobody uses it anymore. You see this whole scandal today about Facebook inflating their uh, their video numbers? I did see that. Yes. Yeah, it's fake. It's a good way to promote our Facebook video, Mike. <laughs> well, our Taking Facebook down. numbers aren't fake. <laughs> I hope not. Jonah Bronstein already finding himself obsolete in the digital media age, let alone in the print age. Uh, hacking up along over there at the board is uh, Bobby Rosati, our producer. He's a uh, – all right, let's talk about this. You vape, Bobby. I do. Um, you used to smoke. Um, yeah, uh, no. Uh, you, you still smoke. That wasn't just a very not cigarettes. No. <laughs> right. Do you still smoke? Uh, no. Just not cigarettes? Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. That's correct, what I just said? Correct. I said a bunch of things that you said yes and no to. <laughs> I was listening to the last one you just said. You – Still smoke, but not cigarettes. Correct. Okay, gotcha. Is it you getting coming out with a cold? Uh, no, I had one. I actually had a um, sinus infection. I see. So you think that's what it thing. is? I, I You're hope. a young guy. You I don't. Hope. You got to take care of yourself. I know. I don't get sick often. So, but you know, being cooped up in an office with people and stuff, sometimes you get. What uh, flavor are we vaping these days? Today it's uh, peach peach lemonade. Oh. Yeah. Nothing says like peach a lemonade man. like a forty-five degree October day. Yeah, I know. There's, I, I don't, I don't have any uh, reason. I, you know, I don't theme it or anything. I just go with whatever tastes good. Yeah, theme I it? love lemonade. How do you? Do they have tastings? How do you? When you go into oh, these yeah. vape shops, how does it? Uh, they, how do you know what to buy? Well, they used to, they used to let you taste them for free. Then some places, because of the new FDA get a free laws taste. It's stuff. like you know right. when you find a guy on the street, man. I, this first one's free. But yeah, hooked. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then they get you hooked. And, no, but it, it's basically just you, you used to be able to go in there and try it. Now you got to like pay a penny for every time you try one because the what? FDA tries to get get them uh, get them shut down and stuff. It's complicated because you can't give it away for free, right? You can't so give it away. It's technically tobacco, so, so they're not trying to make trying money to, off of it. No, no, I not see. at all. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's nothing exciting. Anything you want to add, Jonah? <laughs> About. Vaping? You know, vaping. and It's a weird culture. <laughs> it is. It's very weird. Yeah, I've stopped in those places once or twice. They're, yeah. The lounges, they're strange. And yeah. everybody's See, I don't subscribe to the culture. Giant just... puffs of vapor. <laughs> yeah. How else would you describe clouds. the culture? With a culture comes a lot of different things. What would be the stereotypical vape lounge 
Denizen, what else are they doing? What are they into? Uh, well, I don't Who know. Are spend a lot Who of are time. these people, I've only Jonah. been in these places one, two, three, four times, but <laughs> it's not like I was about to sing a song there. But uh, it, it's weird because I think the culture is really people that are addicted to cigarettes and don't want to smoke cigarettes anymore, and this is their substitute. But if you go into these places, they don't sell them like that. They're acting like this is a, you know, a pool hall or an old, maybe a cigar bar where everybody's just hanging out. There's a big TV, but there's hardly any customers there. They're just the people that work there doing this thing. And it, it's weird. And they're in these. Would you say they're little, Republicans, Democrats, Methodists? I, uh, no, I, I wouldn't. I don't know. They're, they're mostly younger people. And I think there's a lot of money in it because these places pop up on just about every block you can find them. They're like those uh, bring your cans back and get a nickel, and you, you <laughs> right. see them popping up in every old storefront yeah. around town. Well, I'd l- I want to continue this conversation. We'll get back <laughs> into it later. We'll see if our ne- our guest here, who is on a very short leash, and he's a busy fella, and he's about to do the 6.30 newscast for CBS Evening News. Jeff Glor is joining us. Thanks for finding the time, Jeff. I, I know that you, uh, in your line of work, you, uh, you've you seen a lot of uh, bad things, and I just want to know where Sunday ranks. <laughs> first, first of all, I don't get an applause laugh track at 6.30 at night like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You should. That's true. You did get to show some Bills highlights, though, uh, three weeks, or was it for whatever, after the Minnesota Vikings victory, uh, CBS yeah. News had some... Because it was a historic victory, because a big underdog, seventeen point underdog, pulled it off. Did you have to pitch that? Yeah. What did you What did you call it? Like the biggest upset since the NFL expanded to a sixteen game format in seventy eight. That's right. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I'm glad we got it in. Uh, I thankfully I was not watching. I was actually in. I was traveling to um, Missouri on Sunday afternoon, so I was not watching. Um, the game, but I was getting reports from my son and wife who were not happy. So uh, when you get, uh, or when the Bills appear on uh, CBS Evening News, and it was a video montage um, towards the end of the show, or it was actually at the beginning of the show also, um, I should say newscast. I don't ever want to call a newscast a show. Uh, but uh, I don't mind, you know, there's a big debate about that. I don't, I don't mind calling it that. It's not, you know... It's it's probably not the, the the best thing, but people get snobbish that whatever you want to call it, telecast, newscast, broadcast, show, fine. It's a newscast. It has gravitas. You start talking about a show, and that's uh, entertainment tonight and all that stuff. So anyway, you get the Bills versus Vikings on the Monday show <laughs> newscast. <laughs> Uh, do you uh, do you have some pull on that? Are there people on the staff that are trying to make you happy or do a nice thing for Jeff? How does that all come about? No, it's a great play. It was it deserved to be on. It was a it was a it was one of the most memorable play. It was sort of the most memorable play of the week. You're talking and about like, Josh well, Allen hurdling uh, Anthony yeah, Barr. Yeah, um, who's like six five, right, and like two eighty. So like that's not an easy hurdle. Um, um, yeah, no, it was in because it was uh, it was it was it was of national imports. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Especially with everything else that's going on. <laughs> What's happening? What's going on right now? So, 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 Andrew's going to start. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of I, I don't know where where the latest injury uh, update is in terms of how long he's out for. But I was sort of 
I mean, I don't know. You tell me how you feel about this, too. But I was a little <clears throat> slightly disappointed. I mean, there's some vile and vicious we're get, that, Jeff, just real quick. We're getting some clicks on the line. Do you think we're being monitored right now by the government? Probably. Okay. Is this a hard line at the, uh, is this a hard no, line we're on at CBS Evening News or? No, it's my cell phone. I've walked back into the, uh, into the kitchen area here in the newsroom. So is it coming in better now? Well, it's fine. I think we'll just assume that we're being monitored and we'll just <laughs> refrain from saying some, I'll refrain from asking you some of the questions I had planned. So, so I, I got the sense that there was, there was some really vicious comments like, that I saw at least after Sunday's game, and I, I, I realize it was not pretty to watch. But whether it's about Allen or Peterman or anybody else, like I, I, I feel like you have to give some time for development or a build or something else. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I just think too positively. I. Th- the way I look at the Bills' season is that this is about what was expected, even if it were Josh Allen at quarterback. This was not going to be a playoff team, and. Them backing into the postseason last year actually afforded Sean McDermott and, and Brandon Bean some time, I think, and and gets that albatross uh, off uh, their from around their neck. Um, but yeah, the way it's happening is what I think has a lot of people worked up. I actually, and I don't know, Jeff, as a newsman and as a Bills fan, uh, there is a story there, obviously, that Nathan Peterman just can't stop throwing these interceptions, and maybe a younger. Tim Graham would have written it a little differently, but I just I felt myself feeling bad for him, as opposed yeah, to yeah, let's get out no, the no. knife and carve this guy. He doesn't belong in the NFL. Get him off the team. He sucks. There was just kind of I, I stayed away from that story actually because I just I ended up doing a story on Kyle Williams instead. But I, I don't know what, what as you're watching Nathan uh, Peterman's it, career unfold. What, what are you thinking? Well, it's certainly challenging at this point to see him as a viable long term starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, Given what's happened, that said, I think I think most people may you know could understand that at this point, and so I just don't understand why you would sort of viciously go after him. Um, we sort of see what people can do on the field, and it's what they can do on the field. As far as Allen goes, um, yeah, uh, there's. I think everyone would like to see him perform a little bit better. Um, the pocket passing, but also he's you know just a couple games into his career now, and now he's got this injury. So I don't know. I I feel like you have to give them a little time at least. I agree, Jeff. I think that this season is uh, one of those deals where the only well. The most important thing for the Bills this season was the development of Josh Allen, and now that he's hurt, you even take that out of the scenario. And what are you, uh, what do you really have to get excited about as a Bills fan heading into Sunday? Uh, you see the defense play every week, which is also thrilling, and they're they're great. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, boy, much like you did when when uh, Jim Schwartz was the defensive coordinator, and then Mike Pettin for that year. Um, what a waste of a great defense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, it was funny. I was thinking yesterday. There, there are some uh, some parts of this that that remind me a little of what, what could be like sort of a Carolina Panthers development from like three years ago, right? When they had that dominating defense, and then you know they had a quarterback who could um, run effectively, and they had that sort of grind out um, running backs. I don't know. I mean, I, it, again, it may not. Have, it's not going to happen this year. I think that team went what fifteen and one. Right. But if that's the mo- if that's the model they're going for, then 
you know, maybe it's viable next year or the year after. Yeah, I think that the defense is young enough. There are some old guys like Lorenzo Alexander and Kyle Williams who are clearly at the end, uh, even though they're playing well. You just can't count on them. But there's enough youth there with Harrison Phillips and Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano. The secondary is on the younger side. So, uh, yeah, Jerry Hughes is 30. How much? How many years does he have left? But I think that there's a good core there on defense. So uh, I agree with you on that, too. Um with Carolina, though, Jeff, I think that really what would suit the Bills is if they had some viable receivers, uh, they could I keep a defense yeah. honest. It's awful. Um, I, I, I appreciate the effort from, from Zay Jones, um, but, yeah, you need, um, you need to in the offseason um, uh, probably draft, draft a receiver in the first round and then also sign one, right? Yes. How would you feel if uh, they would have to do it here within the next couple of weeks? How would you feel if they traded LaShawn McCoy at the deadline? I'm not sure it's a good idea. I think he's. I. I think he. I still think he does a decent job, sort of representing the franchise at these at these press conferences. He's a he's a, he's a veteran presence, and also he's the most dynamic player on the field. Um, still, um, at his age, I, I. I guess if you're if if you're writing off the season completely. Then, and you're going to get something decent in return, maybe. But um, you know, he's he's really one of the only. I mean, the defense obviously gives him a shot to win every week. But um, anytime he's on the field on offense, you feel like something can happen. Um, and if you want to try to go six and ten or seven and nine instead of three and thirteen, uh, that may be your only shot. I'm not sure if you want to, though. Right. Well, Jeff, I know we've catch you. You had a very small window here to join the show, and I thank you for doing that. This is, by the way, it's Jeff Glor from CBS Evening News has been here with us, so gracious to give us part of his day. And next time I'm at the WIVB studios, which I am on a weekly basis, we're now CBS brothers, Jeff. I'm not sure if you knew that, but I'm going to pose. I'm going to get a nice picture of me with your with your big promo poster that's there in the hallway at WIVB and uh, it, it'll feel like we're together again please, please 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 tweet it at me so we can feel even more together yes well again Jeff thanks so much for doing this any final thoughts for the for the dejected sports fans back in western New York no I just I just hope that, that like that Josh gets a chance to learn for a few weeks you know watching um, from the bench and studying some tape and that uh, that in three weeks he gets back did Walter Cronkite go through anything like this? Do you think <laughs> he was? It was a long slog for him. I mean, because when, when when you know, so when Cronkite took over, um, it was Huntley and Brinkley were like number one, right? So like, it was it was five years before he reached the top, and it's it's you just got to grind every day. All right, all right. Well, hey, words to live by. Yep, Jeff Glor, anchor of the CBS Evening News, Western New York native. Thanks for joining us. All right, brother. Talk All to you right. later. That was nice of Jeff to do that. We were I, I didn't promote it because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get Jeff. I reached out to him today, and he said, give me a call around 4 o'clock, and if I can talk, we will. Kemore East alum. We're all good people. Is that right? I thought, one, East, I thought East was two. the least and West was the best. You hear that a lot, but I don't <laughs> think it's true. <laughs> it's frequent, frequently stated, but false. What are the other famous Ken, uh, Ken East uh, alums. Well, there was the wrestler Adrian Adonis, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure. There's Jeff Glor. Where did Wolf Blitzer go? 
Kemore West. Oh. That West existed longer and is a little bit of a bigger school, so people from Kemore may be a little bit more likely to go there. Any like mass murderers or anything like that? Not that I'm aware of. Any uh, big notorious personalities There's an adult film star. I don't know her real name or her fake name, but there's a couple of these people are on Wikipedia pages. Well, we learned, we learned just last week that we happen to know not the adult film stars directly, but their, their parents. That was two weeks ago. Hmm. That was brought up in conversation when we were at the bar. You don't remember this? I don't remember this. We actually, well, we looked up the pictures and everything. <laughs> I don't think I was there for that. I don't remember. I'm pretty well, sure I you blocked were. it out of my memory. Well, maybe it was later in the evening. Maybe. Right. Wasn't my parents, was it? <laughs> well, they didn't go to Ken East. <laughs> no. Did they? No, they didn't. No, these pictures weren't sepia toned or black and white. These were actually in color. So they couldn't have been your parents. <laughs> <laughs> True, I've seen those pictures. <laughs> All right, more coming up on the Tim Graham show. We're going to talk about vaping. We have to. Uh, I got I got to learn about this. I'm going to I have an inquisitive mind. I'm naturally curious. And uh we're going to talk to Joel Stanishevsky. He's going to be on the line from Vegas to break down what goes into the line when a guy like Derek Anderson becomes a starting quarterback. How does that affect the point spread? Uh jeez. Maybe it improved the point spread from the Bills' standpoint because otherwise it would have been Nathan Peterman. How do you how do you handicap that? <laughs> well, we're going to talk to Joel Staniszewski about it. That and much much more on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay. Your personal uh, injury. Let me start over. Let me start over <laughs> on that. I'm sorry, VCL. These guys are supporting me. I got to bring my A game. VCL I, is that a knee ligament? VCL, my VCL, my. Uh, <laughs> it's in your <laughs> oh boy my versa cruciate ligament the tim graham show is brought to you by viola cummings and Lindsay llp your workers compensation and personal injury attorneys call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com and while we're at it throwing out phone numbers call into the tim graham show at 270-1270 the phone lines are open believe it or not and we'll talk to you about this train wreck that's going on at One Bills Drive. You want to talk about the Buffalo Sabres? Fine. You want to talk about the start of the NBA season? Jonah Bronstein does. UB's got a big game this week. UB football. UB. Six and one. A lot to talk about here when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Visit us here at the Tim Graham Show at 270-1270. Is this the Apple music from the commercial? <laughs> I didn't think anybody noticed Every that. time I hear this, I think it's like a Bond movie. Yeah, I love it. The I really like it. It's an actual song, too. Like the beginning of yes. whatever... Um, Nightfall, Skyfall, I, I mean, Skyfall. Well, it's uh, it's appropriate. Kind of a romantic groove going on here Yeah. with this song. Bobby used the bumper there where I was <laughs> talking to a, a guest and was asking him whether he was single because I was trying to set up the next question, but the way Bobby played it was pretty funny. We got a good chuckle out of that. 
And we have a Facebook Live viewer who wants to know Jonah Bronstein's height and weight. <laughs> yeah, his first question was, what time is the show on till? I told him, 6 o'clock. Came back, what's your height and weight? <laughs> it's a natural follow-up. I don't have a scale. I can't really answer him right now. Maybe he thought he was piping into Delilah. Maybe he's going to send some free T-shirts. Maybe he wants to know all of our sizes. <laughs> I used to listen to the Delilah a lot as a kid. Really? Yeah. Whenever I, I had like a clock radio next to my bed, and I would always turn on Delilah. And Did you ever call in? No, but that because he know. never had a girlfriend uh, <laughs> with a problem. I'm to talking solve. when I was like seven years old. I don't know why this was a thing. Uh, she's a very soothing show. It was all like adult contemporary love songs, right? For some so, reason, that would put me to sleep. I guess that and I always like played it, put it on a sleep timer, and fell asleep to it. So that's all right. Reminded you of there your, you go. your mother, right. your mother's warm embrace. Fun Rodak facts. <laughs> Fun Rodak facts is that he is listed on his high school's Wikipedia page as a famous alumna. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm sorry, alumnus. Alumna yeah. would be a woman. <laughs> yeah. We get an alum. To say that. Not far off. Yeah. Jonah Bronstein, is is he? Are you listed on the Ken East? Last time I checked, no. And we were just checking. Mike was checking during the break because Jeff Glor was just on during the first segment, and we were having a Ken East versus Ken West discussion. And then Mike wanted to see the famous alumni and see how they compared, and then it came up. I'm on Baldwin-Wallace College famous alumni, right, at least at one point, because it was alphabetically, I was right underneath the, uh, the character from the movie JFK that was played by Joe Pesci. So if you can picture that, that, the guy, yeah, he was kicked out of the seminary. He wanted to be a priest, uh, but he was too much of a screw-up, so he got kicked out and ended up going to Baldwin-Wallace instead. And uh, he's listed on the Wikipedia page. I don't think he would be listed in any Baldwin-Wallace publications as having attended. Like (laughs) the real guy, not Joe Pesci, but the guy who ended up getting killed. What did he do in his life other than be this character that Joe Pesci played in a movie about somebody else? I think that, I don't think he did anything famous. I think it was the fact that he was... A character in a re- a real life deal. Oh, I'll look it up during a break, but you yeah, he was Secret he, Service or anything like that. No, he was just known as being a involved in the the New Orleans trials that uh, that became the basis of the movie JFK by Oliver Stone. I'm listed in the media and arts section of our high school's alumni page, along with Charlie Pierce. So one of us is a good writer. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I agree me. with that. Yeah. Charlie Pierce is one of my all-time favorites. Writer for Esquire. Or is he, wait, is he GQ? I always get those mixed up. I think he's several publications over right. the years. Sports Illustrated. he's written for ESPN The Boston Globe. The Globe. But is it Esquire? Or? Currently, I think it's Esquire. Yeah. We're all over the, we're all over this. Derek Anderson is the Buffalo Bills starting quarterback Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. The Sabres coming off a loss to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Our pets' heads are falling off. You beat, beat Akron, no? We didn't think they would. Right. Did they cover? Well, who no didn't think food. they would beat them? We got no jobs. We were talking about whether they – Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, that was, it was a, that was a problem. Spread. And they covered. There was yeah, a 10-point spread, and they won one by, by 20-something. Yeah. Yeah, that was also one of the great bet, the ESPN's betting guru, who the guy who comes on on Saturday mornings was no, saying – bear. That yes, that that was that was one of his big bets is to was, take Akron to take the points. Akron. Well, just like Joel Staniszewski told us, I think his us. record this season was pretty awful, and they showed it on the screen the other day. 
Where are we with these Buffalo Bills? We were talking about it with Jeff Glor, the anchor from the CBS Evening News, the Ken East grad who was so kind to spend a few minutes with us to talk about uh, the fact that really there's not a lot to watch if Josh Allen's not going to be on the field to monitor his evolution as a franchise quarterback if he can ever get there. That's probably going to be on hold. Certainly going to be on hold for a few weeks. And if the Bills get to a point where maybe they just want to shelf him for the season, who knows? It's a blessing in disguise, he said today. I'm not sure it is, but... Who's he? Josh Allen. Okay, well, you could have could have been Sean McDermott. Everybody talks on Wednesdays. So Josh Allen did. I was there uh, for that news conference. I did uh, listen to most of it. But he was saying it, it kind of it could be a blessing in disguise. He wasn't saying it is. That would be an indictment of his, <laughs> well, his team, wouldn't it? There. Oh, my God. How about we go back and look at the tape? Yeah, well, we'll take a look at that during the break. Maybe we'll have Bobby. We'll have him pot that up. <laughs> I'm going to look at the tape. Yeah. He said, uh, I'm looking at it as a blessing in disguise right now to see how he operates, meaning Derek Anderson, how long he's been in the league. Right, that's the blessing in disguise. He was asked, what can you learn by watching Derek Anderson? That was the blessing in disguise, not the injury. So he's well, the injury, at, yes. No, he's referring to the injury, but the aspect of it that he gets to watch Derek Anderson play as opposed to the fact that he's not playing. Agree. Or <laughs> And I'm putting words in his mouth here, or that he doesn't have to watch Nathan Peterman play. Well, well, could you interpret that as meaning maybe he wanted to be in a situation where he didn't start the very beginning of the season and got to watch a veteran for I don't think four, that, eight games or a full no, season like Mahomes did? That I don't think that's the case because I had in-depth conversations with him about that, and he wanted to start. His thing was whatever was best for the team. But his inclination was he wanted to start and he wanted to play. But he clearly could be convinced that that wasn't what's best for the team and that he would go along with that. So he was not coming into 2018 in this situation, coming into training camp and saying, I would rather sit back and monitor uh, A.J. McCarron or, or whatever. He was competitive. He wanted to prove that he could do it. He wanted to win the job and start, which he did by week two. Um, well, You know, the thing that's interesting – to me, though, and it's a point that I've made before, is that Josh Allen at almost every stage of his career has been forced to wait against his will uh, for varying reasons. When he was even in Pop Warner, he wasn't even allowed to play quarterback, let alone be the starting quarterback. They had to switch team. There was another team in the league that said, look, you want to play quarterback, come over here with us, we'll let you play. Um, he gets to high school, uh, and that's high school is high school. But then he doesn't get the scholarship offers, got zero scholarship offers, goes to a junior college, and has to sit behind an incumbent starter there until he's able to earn the job. Then finally gets the scholarship offer at Wyoming after one year at Reedley Junior College, gets to Wyoming, and has to sit behind a starter again, finally gets on the field, gets hurt, can't play, comes in, uh, breaks his collarbone. So he's forced to wait. That was so he's been every time he's gone to the next level, he's been forced to tap the brakes. So this is where, and this is my long windup to get to blessing in disguise, not from his vantage point, but from mine, and I think from any you know football fan out there who wants to see this guy develop, is that uh, with what was happening with the Bills this year. Even though they were just a couple of minutes away from getting to 3-3 three and three and being competitive, this is not a playoff team. As great as the defense has been playing, 
the offense is just too putrid. You can't expect the Bills' defense to hold opponents to less than 14 points week in and week out. Yeah, maybe against a Deshaun Watson who's struggling and injured Deshaun Watson at that, and against Marcus Mariota and these teams. But once the Bills get into the meat of their division schedule, uh, look, it's Josh Allen needs the reps. Yes, it would be nice for him to be out there, but this is where the blessing in disguise comes in, where this elbow injury is going to force him to not take a beating necessarily and leaves hope for 2019. So do you agree with the analysis by your our friend Eric Wood in The Athletic today that he sees signs of a playoff team in this team this year? Well, no, well, I don't, I don't believe I'd have to go back and look at it super close. I don't think that that's what he was saying. I don't think he said that. But he, he was saying that they are good, the defense was good enough, and there's a formula there because they just did it last year. Now, last year still happened, and they needed miracles till, still to get them in there. Everything had to fall right, not only with the Bills at the end of the season, but with every other team that was a playoff hopeful going into Week 17, uh, which was the Chargers, the Ravens, and there was the third team, right? Uh, that they needed to lose. No, well, the final week, all they needed to happen was the Ravens beating, or sorry, the Ravens losing to the Bengals, or it would have been the Titans and the uh, what was the other team? No, it's neither it here. Nor two there. other teams. A lot of things to had to happen, but including a fourth down conversion, fourth and long conversion in, right. in Baltimore, uh, where Cincinnati, you know, clearly looked like they were down and out. They pull it out, and the Bills uh, slip into the back door of the playoffs. So I think that was Eric Wood is saying, look, there's reason to be optimistic to keep coming to work every day. Not necessarily that this is a team that was going to the playoffs. That there's something to build on. That these aren't just wasted efforts by the defense. That at least something is coming together here. So you're saying this team isn't much worse than maybe the worst playoff team of the last 20 years. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. Which the Bills were. Well, up there, there were some other one of them. Yes, one of the worst teams to make it into the playoffs. Yeah, in the la- in, of this generation, I would agree with that. So Eric Wood is saying they're about that good, and well, that they're going to get better, something. and that they're going to get better because of the situation that they're put in. Rookie quarterback losing two key offensive linemen uh, that they didn't expect to lose. Um, the wide receivers have to get better. Uh, that right? I mean. <laughs> We shouldn't say that because we've been around Western New York long enough to know that things can always be worse. I mean, the, the wide receivers can get better, and they're still going to need a lot more. Like Zay Jones is getting a little bit better every week and still catching three, four passes and really doing nothing for the overall pass offense. Right. I mean – And I put a lot of that on the quarterback. I actually think you might see a little bit better wide receiver play with a more veteran, accurate quarterback. You saw it a little bit with Peterman last week. The wide receivers were getting more involved until he started throwing it to the cornerbacks. But the wide receivers, I thought, were get, looked a little bit more open on Peterman's plays than earlier with Allen. Maybe. I mean, as it stands right now, the Bills' wide receivers as a group would have the fewest yards per game than any other team in the last 19 seasons in the NFL. I mean, it's, it's awful. We were on the plane, Tim and I, and – as well as our friend Matthew Fairburn and Matt Perino, and we're looking at Pro Football Reference, which has its own 
proprietary stat, if you want to call it that, adjusted yards per attempt, which I know our good friend Matthew is a big fan of. Um, and it basically is is passing yards plus passing touchdowns times 20 minus interceptions times 45. So it takes into account both interceptions and touchdowns uh, per attempt. And if you look from 1950 to this season, which is as far back as their database goes, that's 69 seasons total. Um, and if you look at all players who have thrown as many pass attempts as Nathan Peterman has in the regular season and the playoffs, which is 82. So any players who have thrown that many, he has the second worst adjusted yards per pass attempt since 1950, second only to Randy Hedberg, who played one season in the NFL for the 1977 Bucks, the second year of their existence. He went 0-7 with the Bucks with a 0.0 passer rating. So that is the only quarterback in almost 70 years of NFL history who is worse than Nathan Peterman in this metric. However, if you look at active quarterbacks, so Peterman's at number two or, or second worst overall, the next active quarterback is Kevin Hogan, who is at 91st worst. And then if you keep kind of scrolling through the numbers, there's a few more active quarterbacks. One of them is Joe Webb, who was around in these parts last year. Bryce Petty. Won a game for the Bills. He did. And in that game, they, the Bills love what they started. Nathan Peterman. Deshaun Kaiser, Brett Hundley, and the next name on the list in terms of active players who are worse, Josh Allen. Right now he's 184th worst since 1950. I think it was, what, 7th worst active quarterback in this stat, 4.65 adjusted yards per attempt. So Does it factor in the sack yardage? No. Because if you put that in there, I don't know, I don't have the list in front of me like you do, but I think he's the worst quarterback in the league in terms of adjusted yards when you're putting in sacks. Yeah, I, I would have to find some place that takes into account that, that part of it. But, I mean, Peterman's been awful, but – I think we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that Josh Allen statistically has been pretty terrible himself this year, just without um, as many just embarrassing interceptions, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into exactly how bad the Buffalo Bills' receiving yardage is. And uh, I have it broken down here by position groupings. And the Buffalo Bills... You can imagine where they rank, or you can take a good guess as to where they rank in terms of how many yards their receivers have. But what about other teams' positions? There are other teams in the NFL that have different positions that have more receiving yards than the Bills' wide receivers have. And we're going to talk about that when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. This is the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay LLP. Your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. I went back and looked to refresh my memory of the famous Baldwin-Wallace alums and uh, the guy from the JFK movie, his name was David Ferry, F-E-R-R-I-E. And uh, he was involved in the Jim Garrison trials. 
in which Garrison wanted to fault or find that JFK was assassinated and it was a conspiracy and all these people and it was brought in. It was uh, all the stars from JFK that were in that role. It was uh, Tommy Lee Jones, was uh, Clay Bertram, and uh, Kevin Bacon played a role in there. And uh, Joe Pesci was the David Ferry character who ends up dying. Had a famous line. Bobby, did you have it? Well, in a second. Oh, okay. There was a lot of profanity involved in it. So Bobby had to be uh, judicious. But anyway, so I had to go back and look. So that's my fate also at Baltimore. Leave the room for this audio. (laughs) Yes, he does. He just had to be stormed out of the room. We're on our own, Tim. That's right. We can do whatever we want. I know. It's guerrilla radio. So uh, the Buffalo Bills, I teased a stat. The Buffalo Bills receivers, as you can imagine, ranked dead last among all receiving groups in the NFL, 32nd in terms of just the receivers, not the tight ends, not the running backs. And also let's keep in mind that the Bills have played six games. There are eight teams in the NFL that have played only five games because of buys. So the Bills even are worse than the teams that have played one fewer game. A quarter of the league has played one fewer game. Four teams have tight end groups that have more yards than the Bills. So they have receiving groups plus their tight ends have done better in terms of production. And there's one running back unit that actually has more receiving yardage than the Buffalo Bills. And uh, that's the L.A. Chargers. So the Chargers have a receivers group and a running backs group. That's how bad it is. Everything's bad. Well, everything on the offensive side anyway. Special teams. They're special teams. If you look at the ESPN efficiency score, which goes back to 2006, this is the worst special teams group of the past, what is that, 13 seasons? It's also the second worst offense behind only the 2012 Cardinals, which I think had four starting quarterbacks, Ryan Lindley. John Skelton, two others. All the greats. All the greats. The uh, the Football Outsiders has them as the second worst offense since 1986. I think it was the 2004 Dolphins are the only one that was worse. Through six games. Not great, Bob. What can we look forward to? And we're going to get into what the point spread means when Derek Anderson is named the starter when Nathan Peterman is benched and the point spread actually got worse for the Bills, it got longer. And that's where the money's coming in, too. It's not as though Las Vegas is going to adjust the point spread uh, based on the quarterback play. That's Once they've established it, then it's based on where the, how the money's going to come in. So, still, people out there, the smart bettors, the sharps, as they're called, are betting on Indianapolis, 1-5 in Indianapolis, uh, to beat the Bills by more than six and a half points. It's now at seven. Um, predictions on what we're going to see from Derek Anderson. I know we, we, we're kind of pulling it out of thin air. He's only made however many starts and, what, two starts in the last seven years? Yeah, I mean, not much, I think, is probably the best way to put it. Even LaShawn McCoy said today. It's... I'm sorry, four starts in the last seven years. Yeah, even LaShawn McCoy 
said today that you know it's pretty obvious they're going to try to run the ball as much as they can. I mean that it was tough last week against the Texans. They came in with I think either the third or the fourth best run defense in the league. So we saw actually a whole lot of passing early in the game from Josh Allen, and that didn't really work. I mean they the fewest yards I think of any team this season in the first half or, or second fewest something like that um, it's just a question of can they run the ball effectively enough against the Colts in order to keep it out of Derek Anderson's hands and I'm looking at their yards per rush right now that the Colts have allowed this season well they're they have the fourth best run defense in terms of yards per rush this season right behind the Texans at, at third best 3.75 yards per game that they're allowing. So I'm sure the Colts are just going to gear up and, and force Derek Anderson to throw the ball. Of course. And the question is, can they beat him? I mean, they put in a lot of extra time, not even only during practice today. They were running full, you know, uh, I want to say seven on seven, but they had to shelve the offense out there without the offensive line running plays during the media access portion well, let's, of practice, let's which put is it in, rare. Right. I was just going to say, let's put it in these terms, because I think the average fan doesn't know really what that means. But when right. they open up the field house for the media, because practice is over, generally the players are coming off the field, and if they're coming off of the outdoor field, they're walking through the, the uh, field house right mm-hmm. to the locker room. Uh, some will stop at the jugs machine to catch some passes. The special teamers will stay. Maybe you'll, maybe there'll be some kicking involved, but generally that's it. So it was very rare for us to come into the field house and have them still be practicing. And it was all voluntary type thing, I'm sure, where it's one of these deals of Derek wants to stay after. He's like, look, I need the work. And that's what he said. That's he, he asked Brian Dayball if they could. I mean, the results, there was one point where it was either Dayball or the QB's coach, David Culley, and the long snapper, Reed Ferguson, a couple of the other special teams guys were down at the end of the field working on some stuff. I think, you know, uh, Sal Capaccio might have been down there too, the the radio guy, and they were doing whatever they were doing. And they motioned to them, you know, move, move further down because they were going to go deep on one of their balls. And so Cam Phillips lines up, split wide, the, the rookie receiver, and – Derek Anderson drops back, play action, and tries to unhurl it downfield to Cam Phillips and say 40 yards downfield maybe, and basically two hops him on the pass. wasn't even close. Um, that's the sort of thing you're watching. And like, I mean, there's this guy was literally on his couch a couple weeks ago. So it's the same thing as Nathan Peterman where you almost feel bad for him that he has to come out and, and – play an NFL game on Sunday luckily for him I don't think it's going to be shown on too many televisions outside of Indiana and western New York but you know it's almost there's a pity factor there and you know I'm not saying they should have started Nathan Peterman but you know this may not be very much better let's put it that way and the Colts offense is terrible we could just see turnovers galore this could be bad news bears style football and that's Jonah, probably what they that what they want. I mean, that's the sort of game they're going to need to win. Do you want to put forth any kind of predictions, Jonah? You're good with this stuff. You're you're uh, you're. People need to know that Jonah is some sort of uh, football forecaster, and well, sports in general. Like you, you're always great in your fantasy leagues. You're always at the top. You're always I the team well, to yeah. beat. 
you do well when you when you uh, we're at the bar and we have a couple beers and we start thinking about what's to come and we make these crazy predictions or we just start seeing what we start talking about what's going to happen on Sunday or what's going to happen not necessarily in terms of a score but in terms of a a position battle as it falls apart or somebody who emerges or whatever you always you always have some sharp opinions. So what do you think happens on Sunday with Derek Anderson? I think we're going to see slightly more competent QB play. I wanted to say mentally competent, and that sounds like I'm referring to something else. But I think you're going to see the value of having an experienced quarterback in terms of reading the defense, making Reading decisions. the situation. Yeah, getting, as they say, on schedule, in and out of the huddle, things like that. Now, as Mike mentioned, he's only been here a week. It's going to be a limited playbook. Who knows what he's capable of in terms of actually throwing the ball. It really could get ugly in that sense. But I think the offense will, especially at the beginning, look a little bit better. And the defense could – there's really no reason to think the defense can't play as well as it has been. I don't think that's going to extend all season long. But in this matchup, with the way they're playing, without major injuries, I think they're still going to create a lot of havoc with the pass rush. You know – Indianapolis is having a lot of trouble with drops and fumbles and interceptions, and, and that's how the Bills win, even going back to last year. When the other team allows them to take advantage of mistakes, the Bills under Sean McDermott have been excellent at doing that. And I think it could be another close game where the Bills aren't scoring a lot of points, but they're in the game the whole time because of the way the defense is playing and probably won't have the special teams mistakes they had last week. In a dome stadium game, it could just come down to field goals. And right. The Bills have one of the best field goal kickers in the NFL – uh, and yeah, granted, the special teams are awful, but the Colts have a Hall of Famer. I mean, well, that goes to show how bad the that, rest of the Bills' Mike, special teams uh, have been. So, well, I mean, if it comes I'm down so, to field goals, I'd still take Adam Vinatieri over any other kicker in the history of the NFL. We're but, talking about a field goal, Mike. It's not going to be a field goal kicking competition. The offense has to get him in place to kick a field goal. And I would have more confidence in Andrew Luck doing that than Derek Anderson. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm just trying to make a point. You don't have to crap all over it by making it about Adam, your your boyhood <laughs> chub that you're sporting over there, over Adam, your your precious Patriots field goal kicker. He's a great kicker. It has nothing to do with where I'm from. I'm just saying, if you want to get into a kicking battle, it's probably not the team to do it against. That guy almost never misses in that dome. Well, another thing to look at is things aren't going well so far for Frank Reich in Indianapolis. He's a guy a lot of people have advocated at multiple points to be the Bills' offense coordinator, even head coach. And it could be coincidental, it could be injuries, it could be personnel. But so far through six weeks, it hasn't gone well for him there. Yeah, he's interviewed for the job. And uh, a lot of people wanted him. Of course, a lot of the the Bills' legends were pulling for him uh, when, uh, I guess it would have been when Rex got the job. Uh, they wanted him to get a sniff, yeah. and he never well, really. They did. They felt he didn't really get an honest look. I don't know. I don't remember who reported this, or if it was a strong report or rumor. But it seemed to be if Bill Polian got that football czar position, Frank White Reich was the guy he wanted to be the head coach. I don't know. Maybe you heard that, or I don't remember where I read that. Well, bring there's a everybody. lot. Of, what's that? So bring back everybody. Well, Let's the, go back to the glory days. The the thing about that that I'm not so sure about is that Polian didn't take the job in part because Marone quit. Yeah. So, there was a that, lot of conflicting reports at that time as who would do what and what right. was going to happen. There was also a, I'd heard through the from reliable people back then that uh, that Polian uh, or that uh, uh, there was some backstabbing going on at one Bills drive and Marone and and Polian got together and and decided to quit slash not take mm-hmm. the job or whatever. Bobby, are you doing okay over there? Bobby is rattling bags. 
Sorry. It's like, what do you got? What we eat? Should I ask you to whistle right now? No, not not a good idea. He's got a mouthful of pretzels. Did we ever get that audio? Bobby's just in here doing the damn thing. (laughs) I'm trying to keep up. I'm starving. All right. Well, we'll take a break. Bobby's already eaten a full plate of pasta, half a bag of pretzels, (laughs) peach lemonade vapor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've been here all day. I got to supplement it. All right, you got the munchies, do you? <laughs> From my vape. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings, Lindsay LLP, or Workers' Compensation and Personal Injury Attorneys. Call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Uh, feel free to call in. Phone lines are open. 270-1270 is the number. That's a 716 area code here on the Tim Graham Show. Sports Radio 1270, the fan. Any kicks at Lucas Oil. <laughs> like, yeah, so... Golden toe. <laughs> Lead pipe cinch. Every kick's a layup. I think, Mike, didn't you dress as Vinatieri for Halloween one year? No, that was Drew Bledsoe. Oh. Adam Vinatieri just a couple of weeks ago missed a 38-yarder at New England where he has a really – he's got a shaky history in New England, though, so he's not known for kicking well there. So yeah, I guess he could be excused. <laughs> but in Indianapolis, that's where he's great. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens if they actually do get into a field goal kicking competition if if uh the big crooked gets anxious. Look at those uh those nicknames he has on Pro Football Reference on his bio page. Automatic Adam, Iceman, or Vinny. Wow. Vinny is a great <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah. Automatic Adam, Iceman, sure. Okay. This is the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings and Lindsay, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Maybe Big Crooked will need to call Viola Cummings and Lindsay uh, if he's personally injured (laughs) by Adam Vinatieri missing a kick. I wonder if... uh, Viola Cummings and Lindsay would file a lawsuit yeah. against the Indianapolis Colts for bruising one's ego. For, say, who would be bruising? Yeah, well, it'd have to be Vanitari or the Colts. Maybe just you. You probably file suit against them both, right? For personal injury and for being cruel. <laughs> the little child that resides inside Mike Rodak <laughs> will be crying. <laughs> so I hope your hero makes all his kicks on yeah. Sunday, Mike. Not my hero. Well, I know. But he's a Hall of Famer. Aside from me. Well. Your hero. You're my hero. That was... What's that from? <laughs> Jonah Bronstein's here. He's handling things on Facebook Live. You can check it out on Facebook Live stream of this show. If you're not into uh, live streams, you can check out the Tim Graham Show on SoundCloud and iTunes. I tweet him out after the... Show, Bobby Rosati's handling things. He's been working hard, eating on the job, <laughs> diddling the knobs. Jonah Bronstein, tell us about this NBA season. It's just begun. It began last night. Yep. The uh, Golden State Warriors get their big rings. They unfurl a banner. 
Reversible rings. Have you ever seen anything like that? Never have in my life. You got to come up with something different, right? Because right, the yeah. rings can only get bigger. They can't get any bigger. You have to be able to close a fist, right? Especially if you want to have a couple of them. I guess. I don't know if you're supposed to wear them all at the same time. Well, you need that brace like Josh Allen had on today to hold your hand up if you're going to be walking around with those big rings on. They can't yeah. get any bigger. Also, you know, the rings, you can only spread your fingers apart so far. So you got to come up with something different. Next to them, they'll have trap doors, like little holograms that come up. <laughs> yeah. What's your take on this NBA season? What Give us give us uh, three hot takes. Three hot takes? Well, I mean, the things to watch is Le- LeBron, obviously. That that was a big story last year. Would he leave Cleveland? Would he go to the Lakers? Now he's there. He's playing with these young players, Lonzo Ball, all that attention you get with the Lakers, seeing him with a storied franchise. I think win or lose, whatever really happens there, that's going to be the most interesting thing to watch until we get used to seeing LeBron as a Laker. With Golden State, I mean, they can be the first team to three-peat since the Lakers did it in the early part of the 2000s. Not many teams before that did it. Really, the big story, everybody's looking ahead with them, whether Kevin Durant's going to leave in free agency, if this is the last run for this team. Not to mention DeMarcus Cousins come back some point in midseason. They could have five players who were on last year's All-Star team, you know, which I don't think has ever happened before, at least any time in the modern era. The Celtics are a team to watch. They got... Uh, Kyrie Irving back, Gordon Hayward back, Eastern Conference Finals without those two last year. Young players, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown a little bit better. Toronto traded for Kawhi Leonard. LeBron's not in the East, so really that changes the dynamic for just about every other team in the East. Because you could look at Toronto and say, this is a team, well, they've been good in the regular season, but they haven't been good in the playoffs the last couple years. But if they don't have to play LeBron, and now they have Kawhi Leonard, it's a little bit different and you really give them if they, if they win 60 games in the regular season I don't think you can write them off as easily as you maybe would have a year ago who are the favorites in the in the east do you think Boston and Toronto but it's not like it is in the west where you'd really be shocked if Golden State and Houston aren't the top two teams I think Philadelphia is a team that's going to be contending for the east title sometime in the near future and maybe it happens this year Milwaukee's another team with a new coach and Giannis Antetokounmpo an MVP candidate maybe one of the best players or definitely one of the best players, but maybe the best player in the league this season statistically. So, so Jonah, who does not make it to the finals out of the West? Because, well, let's let's maybe even take it a step further. Which team that people would expect, or you, know, you hear LeBron, right? So, well, go ahead and pencil him into the conference finals or the finals. Yeah, but maybe you not. can't. Well, I know. Well, that's kind yeah. of the my my long winded question here is: some a great team is not going to make the Western Conference Finals. So the I'm, fact that you get that somebody is probably going to get not that you have to get stunned along the way, but there's going to have to be just to get to the conference finals in the West, or even just to make it to the chance to play against the East for the championship, you're going to have to have survived. Yeah. Overall, some of the teams in the in the second, third tier in the West maybe aren't as good as they used to be. San Antonio's kind of fallen. They have some injury issues. Uh, Minnesota is a team that was on the rise last year. Now they have a situation going on with Jimmy Butler. Their best player wants to be traded and chemistry and he's coming to practice and playing with the backups and verbally challenging the owner and the coach and his teammates. So they might not be as good as they could be if everybody was on the same page. And doubling down every time he's given an opportunity. To. Yeah. He's not being diplomatic about that at all. Yeah, he really wants to be traded, and, and some of that comes from them not giving them him the max extension that he was eligible for. So now he wants to go elsewhere where another team can give him that money. 
Where could he go? And do, and can he end up with one of these super teams? Or does Minnesota get into a situation where you get with a lot of these types of leverage uh, deals and they'll trade him somewhere where he has no shot to win? Well, yeah, they don't really want to trade him to a super team, especially a super team in the West. He could sign there at the end of the season, but in that case he doesn't get the max extension. There's a lot of different variables into what kind of contract he'll get. Really, if you look at the reports, Adrian Wojnarowski and all the guys that cover the league nationally, they seem to say he's going to get traded to Miami if he gets traded. That seems to be the only deal that's gained any traction. They have the pieces and the cap room to be able to make that work, and other teams either don't have that or they don't have the players that Minnesota wants or they're in the West so Minnesota's not dealing with them. But there's a really weird dynamic there where Tom Thibodeau is the coach and the general manager, and he doesn't want to trade Butler. He coached him in Chicago. He traded for him. The owner seems to be ready to trade Butler. Butler wants to be traded, and Thibodeau is almost saying, I'm not going to do it. I dare you to fire me. So there's a lot of standoff going on between the owner, the coach. General manager Scott Layden went to Luport High School, and he's kind of stuck in the middle of all this. And I think between those four guys, the coach, the general manager, the owner, and Jimmy Butler, there's really no common ground between what they want to do. And I think the coach and the GM are really just sort of hoping it all blows over and they play out the season and Jimmy Butler leaves and they don't really have to make a decision here. Yeah, you get into the season, the competitive juices start going. He's not going to want to um, he's not going to want to embarrass himself on a nightly basis, so he should want to go out there and try hard. You know, that's the type of player he is. He's known as a scrapper. He was a bit of an underdog coming into the league. He was not a high draft pick. Um, a rare four-year college guy, right? Yeah, Jimmy Butler. I, I think he's. I think he started at junior college, then went to Marquette for two years. Came into the league, I believe, as a second-round pick. wasn't really a star player. wasn't a star player for a few years. wasn't really even a rotation player right away. So, and he, has developed into probably one of the ten best players in the league, two-way player. Yeah, so he got that way for a reason. So the idea of him dogging it, you, you hope that at least that's probably what you're betting on if you're. The Timberwolves management is let's get us into the regular season. He's going to play hard. Um, he's not going to. He's going to want to acquit himself. He knows that the spotlight's on him. And then maybe you win a few games. You build the camaraderie, develop the chemistry. A month into the season, and maybe he's feeling like this is his team. Yeah, it's that's about what the best they can hope I don't for. think that's going to happen. They're going to have to either endure a very awkward season where they have two young guys, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, signed to long-term extensions. Probably can't trade those guys. Maybe they could, but won't get good value for him. They're stuck with those two. And I wouldn't say stuck with Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best players in the league, but they're stuck with Wiggins as their second main guy. Butler's not going to be here after this season. And so do they ruin Wiggins' confidence and ability to lead the team And because Butler's there playing almost the same position and moving him down in the pecking order offensively? Really, if they're looking to the future, I think they should take what they can get for Jimmy Butler right now, even though the coach – doesn't want to do that. It might make them a little less competitive this season, but they need to move on and build around their young players. Jimmy Butler is not going to be part of their future. Yeah. Well, we need to get back into Bill's talk. I need to sort through some things with Mike Rodak a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We need to get into maybe some matchup talk against the Colts in Indianapolis. Kicking matchup? The kicking matchup, Absolutely which it could very well turn into. I think there's going to be a lot of punting matchups in this game. The Colts are one – I think there are going to be a lot of turnover matchups. I think there are going to be a lot of loose balls. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks uh, being picked up off the turf by their offensive linemen helping them up. 
uh, on both sides. The Colts have the third lowest sack rate in the NFL. Right. They haven't exactly played some great defenses. No, no, no. Even I'm sorry. I, I didn't describe that right. Third lowest sack rate allowed on offense. So Andrew Luck is very rarely sacked, Right, what I'm saying. They haven't played great defenses, though. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said they haven't played great defense. No, they haven't played great defenses. You're eight inches away from me, and I still can't pick up what you're saying. As usual. Yeah. Typical Rodak. All right. Crooked Rodak. Rodak. Bill's matchup talk. <laughs> Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas, and more when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by, by Viola Cummings Lindsay LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. It's the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Sports writer Tim Graham. The Tim Graham Show. Now, Buffalo's live and local sports talk on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. Hurt in a car? Call William Attar. Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I like you, Dale. I think, I, I think you guys don't laugh. For it is together, together that we prevail. Rare for the Tim Graham Show, an actual Bills fan in the studio. Now, back to the Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings Lindsay LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Give them a follow at VCL Niagara. And the reason I say that is, well, maybe you're not into attorney tweets. But I'm asking you as a favor to me. Because without Viola Cummings and Lindsay, the Tim Graham Show wouldn't exist. They brought back local programming here on the radio airwaves at a time when sponsors are, uh, they're not into that. They brought the show back. It was just going to rot. Oh, no. Sports Radio 1270, the fan, fell in love with this whole Bucky and Sully concept. Refused to put any resources into the... The Tim Graham Show. This is really guerrilla radio. I just I'm on their page. I notice I know one of their uh, associate lawyers, a CrossFit friend of mine. Yeah, Matt Moses. See? Do you still do CrossFit? I still do, but not at the same gym as what's as Matt. What's your height and weight? <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna have to get <laughs> yeah, back yeah, to. We had uh, somebody on, on our yeah Josh on the Facebook Live wanted to know Jonah Bronstein's height and weight. We why we don't know. Yeah, and then they didn't answer it. He came back with, "Who's going to start a quarterback?" <laughs> No. Well, this is the Tim Graham show on Sports Radio. Maybe he wants me to start a quarterback. Maybe he's wondering if I. Oh, I see. Maybe that. Maybe that's his joke. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That's funny. Put you on the line, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's gonna take me a while to learn the offense. I don't think I could do it. Well, the Dodgers pulled Wade Miley after five pitches in the game today. Whoa! One batter he faced. That's it done well you have to face a batter if you're listed as a starter so that could have been strategy by dave roberts to get the brewers into a certain lineup to have right handers or lefties in there oh, you, you can't sub right at the before the first pitch no you have to he has to pitch to a batter that's a good point wow so that now be now the brewers if they have a lineup that was stacked to face miley now they can bring somebody else in Who and bring uh, that's ready to go essentially all right, so we were wow. talking before the break about the Bills getting after Andrew Luck, maybe getting some strip sacks, and Mike Rodak said, what? You brought up what point? 
about the Colts. The Colts have allowed— Because you, have, you must have—there's some fetish here. Every time I make a point about the Bills today, you're just jumping in with, oh, yeah, well, well Vinatieri kicks for the Colts. How about I just agree with you the entire show and just say, yeah, Tim, you're right. I don't like that because then I can't give you some stats that show how uh, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I like to do the same thing to you. It sounds like a bad commercial. My God. <laughs> talking um, about all those kicks that Vinatieri makes two weeks after he missed a 38-yarder. Yeah. Well, you're talking about um, teams allowing sacks and how you think this will be a sack – happy sort of game the Colts well I think it's going to be a sloppy offensive two two sloppy offenses going up against two well the Colts defense well, but Colts you don't need to be a good defense against this the build. second lowest sack per dropback rate 3.3 percent this season uh better or only one team is better the Chiefs at 2.7 percent in terms of interceptions well, let's stop. Let's hold it on right there. So yes. let's talk about sacks. So the so the Patriot or the excuse me, I keep because you're, I know you're such I, a Patriots yeah. wonk that wonk. So Cincinnati, who the Colts faced in the opener, ranks 25th in sacks per uh, pass attempt. Then Washington ranks 24th. Then Philadelphia 18th. Houston 15th. The Patriots dead last. And the Jets, 23rd. Mm-hmm. So those are the defenses that Indianapolis has faced. And when they faced the only, the only team that's in the top half is Houston, which got four sacks, two strip sacks, and 10 quarterback hits. Mm-hmm. So when the Colts do play a dynamic defense, then it seems as though Andrew Luck could be in trouble. But we don't know because they've faced some teams that have really weak pass rushes. So right. that's why the Colts' number is so good. We and, don't know. And Luck historically has a little bit of a higher sack rate. It's not like he's Dan Marino that you just can't get to him. He gets rid of the ball every time. Right. And he yeah, he's the type of guy he likes to extend a play. He believes in his arm. He has some scrambling ability. So I do think that the Bills have the ability, despite what the stat says about the Colts giving up not a lot of sacks so far through six games— they just haven't faced anybody that has been able to get after quarterbacks like the Bills have. So playing the same logical game as you are, you're saying that they haven't played a defense that has that could put as much pressure on them as the Bills, right? That's what you're saying? Therefore, their sack rate being low is a little bit misleading. Is that what you're saying? It could be, sure. They faced I, one I team that's in the— to, I just want you to commit to it. Is that what you're saying? Sure. So let's play the same logical game. The Bills have played the Ravens, who have the best defensive sack rate in the NFL, meaning they cause the most sacks per dropback. They played the Packers, who have the fourth highest. They played the Vikings, who have the sixth highest. And they played the Texans, who have the 14th highest. Titans have the 19th highest. So you could say that the Bills having the worst offensive sack rate, they're sacked the most per dropback of any offensive team, could be due in part to the fact that they've played defenses that are very good in sacking the quarterback. Yes. Therefore, by the same logical extension, you're saying we'll regress to the mean on Sunday and there'll be fewer sacks that the Bills allow. Then what put them on a record NFL pace against the Colts? I don't know. What are the, what, what are the, how many sacks do the Colts get? They have the 10th highest defensive sack rate. 10th best. 
Correct. All right. So okay. So fine. So they're in the upper half too. So maybe they'll get sacked a lot also. Right. But I'm with the guy saying, who's playing in his third game. Uh, er, perhaps the Andrew the Bills Luck high is a known. Com- yeah. And, well, Andrew Luck is also a known commodity and consistent through all these six games. Right. The Bills are now on their third starting quarterback and a guy who's right. been with them for a week and a half. So who knows? No, yeah, I'm so just simply saying maybe the Bills allow fewer sacks than what we've seen them allow. This I season. would expect them to because they were on a record pace. But didn't you say this it was, was all... going to be a sloppy sack fest? <laughs> I said it was going to be a sloppy game. You're yeah. the one who said sack fest. And yeah. when I said sloppy and that the ball was going to be on the ground, you said, oh, well, the Colts have uh, given up the third fewest sacks in the league. <laughs> oh, I'm a child. I'm a child. That's a fact. <laughs> the Colts don't have a good offensive line. I don't know why they're not getting sacked very much this year, but they have had trouble keeping Andrew Luck from getting hit pretty much his whole career. I don't think they're that much better at it right now. I think that we, yeah, you have Derek Anderson. It's not as though the Bills are putting in, um, you know, somebody who's just going to, you know, Check down. It's not like they're putting Trent Edwards in there all of a sudden who's just going to be able to check it down, check it down, check it down. Maybe that's what they try to do. But you have a guy, the, the huge variable in this is, yeah, you can look at the, st- the sack numbers that the Bills have put up against these really good teams and say, yeah, against the Colts in a perfect world, if they had the same quarterback who's about to start his seventh consecutive game, then yeah, then I'd say, well, sure, but they're not going to get sacked as much. But it's Derek Anderson. And it's a line that is going to have trouble. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I'll lend some credence to your theory in that the Colts have uh, the third highest amount of offensive turnovers this year. They're turning the ball over the third highest. The Bills, the sixth most. And on defense, the uh, Bills are forcing the sixth most turnovers, All right. and the Colts are forcing the ninth most. So okay. you're looking at an offense that both offenses turn the ball over a lot, and both defenses. And that's what force I predicted turnovers. would happen. And I just said I'd lend and, credence to your theory. But your response was the sa- the Colts don't give up sacks. Yeah, different different uh, discussion: sacks and turnovers. Mm-hmm. All right then. Yeah. All right, we agree. Colts probably getting turn the radio off. Back. T.Y. Hilton coming back, probably. That'll help, of course. Um, but the Colts don't have uh, that great of a running game. And, uh, well, it, look, I don't even we're bre- <laughs> I don't even want to get into an X's and O's breakdown of the entire game because I think my overarching thought and point is, is it's going to be a sloppy offensive game. We may see pick sixes all over the place. We may see fumbles returned for touchdowns. We may see uh, short fields because of these turnovers, strip sacks. Who knows? But these are two defenses that could slaughter the quarterback on the other side. True. They both have the the potential to do that. We'll talk to Joel Staniszewski about that on the line from Vegas coming up here in a little bit. He'll be able to break down from a betting perspective what Derek Anderson as the starter would mean if you're a savvy better out there, if you're one of the sharps, as they like to call them out in Vegas, uh, what you think when you learn that Derek Anderson is going to be the starting quarterback Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts instead of Nathan Peterman. The money has been coming in on Indianapolis. Lines opened at 6.5, I believe, and I think it's gotten to 7 now. So um, not a lot of faith that uh, that the Bills are going to keep it close in Indianapolis, even though the Colts are just 1-5, which uh, 
also from a betting sense, we're going to get in this with Joel, of course. I think I like the Bills and points because the defense is playing so well. I think that they should keep games close, which is I think that they are in a situation to cover, especially against the Colts. I'll tell you one reason I don't like the Bills. On the road, second week in a row. Last week was a little bit of a longer trip. Kind of different circumstances, but you saw they didn't play as well in Green Bay as they did in Minnesota. That that tends to bite teams when you have to make these trips one week That's after making it. Four out of the last five at this rate and five out of the first seven. I mean, God, I'm tired. I can't imagine having to actually play in a game and toss my skull around out there for 60 minutes. And that cuts a little bit into the time you have to get the new quarterback ready or you're doing it in a hotel room instead of at your facility the night before a game. That's right. Yep, you got to travel. So yeah, that's a day that or a half a day that gets wiped out logistically because it's not as though you just show up at the plane and it takes off. You got to get there all the equipment and all the whole thing, get bus to the bus to the hotel. Yeah, it's it's tough to get 150 people moving all in one spot. But Derek Anderson's a pro as we all know and he's going to Get him ready to go. The leader. You see that walkthrough today? A blessing, in, disgui- that? A blessing no, in disguise we for Josh Allen to sit and watch this guy work. Mm. I wonder what he's got to be thinking. I mean, Ooh. Josh Allen, as competitor as he is, and I know that he's supremely confident in his abilities to be standing there with his arm in a brace as he watches a guy who's been in the league for I don't know how many years, and he knows he's better than him well, he already. He wasn't even standing, to be honest. But, During one point of Sunday's game, when Nathan Peterman was driving the offense down the field, the entire offense was standing on the edge of the sideline, and Josh Allen was the only guy sitting on the bench with a baseball hat on. Injured. Injured, yes, but it's not like he couldn't yeah, he stand. Was, he was wallowing he, in I, his injury I got the a little sense bit, but he got he over that. He, later in the game, he, he got up. And he, he went was, over to the defense and was trying to rile them up for a little while, but for there was definitely a, a, at least a few moments where he was on the bench and, and looked like he was sulking to some extent. Yeah, I'm not going to fault a guy who just no, suffered a big No, he's 22 years old, yeah, of course. But then why bring it up? Because As though it was some scandal. No, I think it's notable. He was the only guy who wasn't. He was, just, I he was injured. I think it's notable, but I, I don't think it's – you know, catastrophic by any means. I, I do think when, if Josh Allen's <laughs> able to come back. Mike Rodak just pointed at Jonah Bronstein to bail him out. He's like, please no, say something. I, was, I, was, I interrupted <laughs> him before, and now I'm giving him the floor. Well, you go. If it gets to a point in a couple of weeks when Josh Allen is able to return and Derek Anderson is the backup, I do think there is some value there in having such an experienced player in the meetings and in the practices during the week. And if Josh Allen makes the wrong read, he can say, hey, or – Josh Allen can ask him, what do you do in this situation when defense does this? And Nathan Peterman could not do that for Josh Allen. Right. And I think that was a real handicap in the first few weeks when Josh Allen was really on this, and not to mention the quarterback's coach who's not a quarterback's coach. I agree. I, I agree. Think, I, I just, think that the biggest help that Derek Anderson, if all things being equal, could have provided is on game day, on the bench, looking at the pictures, mm-hmm. talking to the coach. Because, yeah, you have David Culley, the quarterback's coach, down there on the field who is a receivers coach by trade. Brian Dable is up in the press box. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was a similar situation to what Doug Marone had with uh, Nathaniel Hackett very early in their um, in their tenure with Buffaloes because Hackett wanted to be up in the press box. And Hackett was also the quarterback's coach. And I recall asking Doug Marone that question. They had uh, E.J. Manuel, a young quarterback, and I said, what do you do during the game? Who's going to talk to E.J. on the sideline? 
And his response was, well, I'll, I'll take care of that. He's the head coach. He's got to, you know, oversee things. And I think it lasted a couple of games, and Hackett was down there on the sideline for specifically that reason. So you have Josh Allen down there relying on David Culley and I guess Nathan Peterman, a guy who's, you know, seen limited snaps himself. So Derek Anderson de- – to be down there in the game and interpreting things. All right, now here's what's going on, getting in the guy's head, calming him down. Right. Let's say he throws an interception or he got sacked on a third and three. You know, all right, shake that one off. This is what you got to do. You're going to get, you know, this check, Go, you know, maybe even bring in uh, the the running back, yeah. wave him over. You know, the things that a, that a veteran quarterback presence could do that the Bills didn't have, and it's their own fault that they were in that situation. Agree. But I, I think – like last week, for instance, people were getting a little bit carried away with the value that comes along with that. There is certainly a value, no doubt. But I'm sure that Derek Anderson said something to Nathan Peterman after he threw the pick six on Sunday. And whatever he said didn't change anything in the next drive because he goes out and throws another stupid interception. So now that's Nathan Peterman. This could be Josh Allen. But look, there's been a lot of well. It's also an anecdotal thing, and yeah, and each you can. There's been a, a lot of young quarterbacks in the NFL. You can go back to look at uh, EJ Manuel's first four games of the 2014 season. They brought in Kyle Lorton, and that was supposed to be you know one of those veteran guys you can back you up and you know. Um, no, that's not what that was supposed to be. That was Kyle Orton was brought in to be the starter. It was, and they had to wait for the right moment for him to do it. Doug Marone did not want but it was initially, to be the starter. It was initially sold as that, and there was the you know week long of press conferences and scrums that were talking about how Kyle Orton could help out E.J. Manuel, and we all know what happened. So, Just saying. I mean, I, I think there's a value, but I don't think... Yeah, it's over can, the long haul. I don't think you can change who these guys are on the field all that much. No, it's a long-haul type thing. I'm not talking about – in that one instance, yeah. It can can Derek Anderson or any veteran quarterback get inside a guy's head and say and make him better on the next drive to win the game? No. that's right. It's something that if you have over the course of 16 games and in the locker room five days a week and in pregame and all that stuff, then, yeah, it all adds up. But, yeah, in that one instance of Derek Anderson being brand new to the team, being able to help out Nathan Peterman in a crisis situation, no, it's not going to help. But over the course of a month, a month and a half, I think that if the Bills had that presence on their team starting in training camp um, and then on the bench, on the sideline throughout the entire season, then Josh Allen would have been – that much better, uh, significantly more prepared right. heading into 2019 than with David Culley and Nathan Peterman, two guys who don't know what they're looking at from a quarterback's vantage point. So this is E.J. Manuel on September 3rd, 2014, right after they signed Kyle Lorton, saying he's been a huge help in the film room with Jeff Toole and me. When the coach isn't there, he's offered some of that veteran experience and some things that he's done and other quarterbacks that he's been around while he's been in the league. He's been a huge help for me with certain things that he may see on the film or he may look for on the film. He may pass down to me, so he's been a huge help. Well, you're emphasizing a lot of words there yourself as you read it off. Because it's the same thing that we heard last week. It's this, Mike. It's It's the the same thing everywhere. I don't think there's a... You're right. It's this. You're right. Great it value is, to this. There is. Right. There's value. It's not. They do always say that, and there are cases where the veteran quarterback doesn't help the younger quarterback, and they still kind of pretend right. like that's going on. But I think in this situation, a guy like Derek Anderson, who's really at the end of his career, 
would be willing to help Josh Allen and could have been a value if they brought him in in week one. I don't know that Kyle Orton came into Buffalo with any interest in helping E.J. Manuel. Just like A.J. McCarron didn't come to Buffalo with any interest. They came here just to play. Agree. Different situations, but... And they're always going to say the same thing. E.J. Manuel's not going to say, absolutely, it doesn't help me, especially when he's a young quarterback. and he's You have the media asking these questions. How does he help you in the film room? Oh, he's a big help in the film. It becomes rote. It's just something that just gets said. It's That's my point. That's my entire point. I'm not, saying, I'm not discrediting Derek Anders. I'm not saying he's not trying to do that. I, I'm just questioning the, the value of it. Well, I tell you this, the value is a lot more than David Culley sitting there while the, while the offensive coordinator is up in a box. Agree. I don't even know what points you try to make sometimes. You just you want to be a contrarian. No, like I'm just, saying that there is a the value. I'm, I'm saying there is a value. I'm saying there is more that they get from this than what they got from before. I just don't think it's going to change who you Josh just think Allen is or change who Nathan Peterman is or any other quarterback they bring in. I think but not having it is – Giving your giving yourself one more way to fail. Agree. All right. I don't even know. I'm saying my point is let's not know. overrate it. I don't know. That's my point. That's been the point from the beginning ten minutes ago. Let's not overrate it. Uh, well, you should have said that ten minutes ago. I've said it multiple times. Bobby, show me the tape. <laughs> I'll I'll let you hear the tape. No, I want to see the tape. <laughs> Pulling up, we don't use tape anymore. Pulling up four or five year old transcripts from EJ Manuel yeah. to prove your point is probably not the most efficient way to go about it. It's highly efficient. I found it within ten seconds. What? No, you have found it efficiently. Making the adding that to the conversation did I'm, not help at I'm all. I'm just saying I've seen this before. I'm like Derek Anderson. I've seen it before. I see. Yeah. This is the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Viola Cummings Lindsay LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Mike Rodak, you should call 285-9555 or visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. And when we come back, we're going to have Joel Staniszewski on the line from Vegas here on the Tim Graham Show, Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. Tim Graham Show is brought to you by Viola Cummings Lindsay LLP, your workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys. Call 285-9555. Visit them on the web at violacummingslindsay.com. Mike Rodak's going to have him on speed dial because he's getting personally injured on a regular basis. <laughs> Got to be careful. At least today. He's been personally injured at least three times in conversation. <laughs> so you were right, though, about the Dodgers. They took out Miley after one batter, put in a righty, and that was all according to their plan. Now Miley will start wow. the next game or whatever it is. See? How little, did that come out? Then I know a little baseball. That it. That's their plan. Yeah. Ken Rosenthal. Oh, oh, baseball. Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Team should do that more often. I think that's cool. Interesting bit of baseball strategy last night, and that there was a pop up. Christian uh, Yelich was on first base. The Dodgers should have dropped the pop up mm. and had Jesus Aguiar, who was the batter, drop the ball, throw it to second, get get Yelich out. Who's way fat? Who's quick? I mean, he's not blazing, blazing speed. But Aguiar is a fat bastard. Yeah. Let him run around the bases. But they didn't. They didn't think that. There's no infield fly rule in play there. Not in that, because the runners only runner on first. Who's on first? Christian Yelich. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> fat bastard. I'm gonna go to the bullpen right now. From Buffalo to Las Vegas. 
From Buffalo to Las Vegas. It's Joel Stanchevsky. The Bills make me wanna The best gambling advice from Vegas. It's Joel Stanchevsky. Joel Staniszewski of Sloan, New York. Graduate of St. Joe's and Buff State. He's been out in Vegas for, I said, 20 years last time. What's it been, 14, you says? 14, yeah. 14 right. years as a handicapper, as a odds maker, and as an industry analyst. And he's been joining the Tim Graham Show for a couple of years now. He's now in year three of the show. And uh, we have an interesting situation here, Joel, with your Buffalo Bills going with the quarterback who has started only four games over the last seven years, replacing a quarterback who's awful, and Vegas set its line on Sunday, I guess, feeling that there wasn't much difference between the two. But how does all this get factored into uh, the point spread when you have such awful quarterback play? Um, I'll just leave it at that. How, how, How do you manage it? Well, I think I think you open up the line what you think it's going to be, and you kind of let the betters dictate it. Um, you know, going from from Josh Allen to Nate Peterman to Derek Anderson, not a huge line mover. I think uh, like the line opened at seven and has moved to seven and a half. Um, I think if if it was Allen, it would have been a little bit less, probably in the six six and a half range. Um, but they don't want to go too far over that seven line. So uh, with, with between Peterman and Anderson, it didn't really matter which quarterback it was going to be. And by all accounts, it seemed like Allen wasn't going to be playing pretty much right from the get-go. Uh, so that line came out pretty much uh, sure of it was going to be either Peterman or Anderson, and it didn't really matter between those two. Okay, so that's your vantage point, Joel, from an odds-making standpoint. What about from a handicapping standpoint? When you are looking at this game at 7, you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Looks like the money's coming in on Indianapolis because now it's at 7.5 in most places. Um, What do you look at in terms of if you're going to try to bet this game? Do you stay away from it? Is there something about this change that gets you excited to to bet, bet the Colts? Uh, well, when you think about the Colts, you think about a team that has been getting better offensively. And as great as the Bills' defense has been, you have to assume at some point during a game, over the next couple of games, they're going to just be exhausted from being on the field so much because you're assuming that Peterman or Anderson is going to be doing a lot of three and outs, a lot of interceptions. Uh, so you have to assume that their offense is going to get the ball a couple more times than they normally have been. So you're going to have to assume that eventually the defense is going to get tired, and if T.Y. Hilton ends up playing, then you have, you know, uh, you have Andrew Luck, who's still one of, the, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, at least you know, top 10 or 15 quarterbacks. You have T.Y. Hilton, who's a great uh, receiver. You have Eric Ebron, who's been playing really well the last couple of games. So you have to assume at some point the defense is not going to be able to keep holding them down. So you have to, you know, from a betting standpoint, you think at what point does the Colts actually get an opportunity to start letting their offense really go after it? We're on the line from Vegas, or at least uh, Joel's on the line from Vegas. Uh, Joel Staniszewski joining us here on the Tim Graham Show on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. And 
Uh, Joel, from a defensive standpoint, the Bills have been playing pretty well uh, over the last uh, five, six games. Um, the idea of a seven and a half point spread with two teams like this, I know that you mentioned that the Colts might get a more a couple of more possessions than they've averaged uh, throughout the season. Um, but is how enticed should a better be about getting seven and a half points? Uh, if you're going to take the Bills, uh, given that uh, their defense has been keeping games close, or can keep yeah. a game close, yeah, their defense is definitely opportunistic. They can definitely keep a game close. Uh, seven and a half, obviously, is past one touchdown. So as long as you hope that Derek Anderson and the offense can put up ten points, that they can keep it close. Um, you know, the the total has gone up, which is crazy to me. Opened at forty two and a half. And some places have it as high as forty-three and a half, and to me that just that just seems way too high. Um, the, the Bills have gone under four of their last five games. The Colts have gone under uh, six of their last seven games against Buffalo. It, it it seems like this to me seems like more of an under game with that high of a point spread. But again, you have to assume uh, that the defense of the Bills is going to get worn out and the Colts are going to be able to, to you know, score some points. But even if the Bills can score 14 or 17 points, uh, they can definitely keep it within that plus seven and a half. So what would you advise on this? Well, as a Bills fan, what are you going to do with it? As a Bills fan, uh, I'm going to I'm going to watch it and... <laughs> stay away from this one? Stay away from it. Uh, yes, it, it's... I would I would say that seven and a half seems high. I mean, I, I said that last week with the Texans at ten or ten and a half, whatever it was that seemed high. Uh, again, seven and a half seems high. It's a, it's for a team that has that great of a defense going against the Colts who has that bad of a defense. It's it's too high of a point spread. Have you taken a look at uh, the University of Buffalo and Toledo this week? I have not, uh, but I was keeping an eye on the, the game that we had talked about last week against Akron, and although they did cover, it was a lot closer throughout the game. I haven't checked out UB's number this week. Yeah, it looks like it's a little bit all over the place. Um, I can't really even tell looking at this. What do we, what do we got? Are they, uh, looks like one-point favorites. Is that right? Yes. There's a lot of numbers yeah. on that page. One to one and a half point favorite uh, over Toledo, but uh, with a total of uh, 67. Wow. Maction. Yeah. 60. Some places, I mean, I guess maybe because it's the Mac, it seems like there's a disparity on a lot of these numbers from the different books. Looking at La, Las Vegas odds on the VegasInsider.com. Maybe we'll just steer clear of that and try not to sound too smart when we don't know what we're looking at. <laughs> so, uh, Joel, uh, how have you been handling your bills this year as you take the ride uh, with uh, the Peter man and uh, Josh Allen and now on to Derek Anderson? I know this is exactly what you were hoping for when the season began. Uh, I was hoping for a quarterback carousel. This is my favorite thing. Um, uh, What's left to watch for if Josh Allen's not out there for you? Um, what Derek Anderson, can, if he can manage a game, if, he can, if we can get the, the run game going, short passes, if he can not stare down receivers like Peterman does. Uh, while watching the game last week, I didn't have any pregame action against uh, the Texans. When Peterman came in and we took a lead, 13-10, I believe it was, uh, there was, I don't know, 
three minutes left, give or take. And the Bills, at that point, the money line in running was the Bills were minus 550. Uh, Houston was plus $4. So I put a little bit on that because I thought either, A, I'm going to win some money or the Bills are going to win and I'm going to be happy. And, of course, Peterman does what Peterman does. And I won some money, but I wasn't happy about it. <laughs> well, oh, you were going to, yeah, something was going to happen for you one way or the other. You, yeah, at least <laughs> exactly. a little bit of money to temper your, your the torture that, uh, that exactly. comes your way from exactly. being a Bills fan every week. So no right. action on this one, though. But if you had to, you would, if you had to advise somebody, what would you say to take the under? And take, what about I would say Buffalo would take the under? Um, as the week goes on, I, I may I may look at the, the total and, and try to play the under. Uh, I'm not much of a much of a uh, totals better, but to me that just seems really high. All right, Joel Staniszewski, our pal on the line from Vegas. Thanks for joining us again. All right, take care, guys. All right, talk to you next week. Any closing thoughts, Jonah Bronstein? Well, I could add a little bit to that UB Toledo line. Where I'm seeing that it opened is UB plus three, and now they're minus one. And Toledo's a tough team to peg. They were supposed to be really good champs last year. They've lost some games. I think they're two and three, two and four. And so, and the money has moved towards Buffalo. So that's kind of why that line's a little wonky. All right.